How are we doing this morning? All right, all right, all right. Let's get started here. Let's get some uh, worship going here. So um, I'm going to free you up. You can stand up with me. We can stand up together. We're going to jump into some worship and some good times. Let the good times roll. Um, I want to see some of my youth group up front. Tanner, come on. Where's Jeb? Lead the group. Um, so... I want you to stand out with me and tell to your neighbor, man, he's good this morning. Can you do that as you're standing? As we're standing together. Jesus, God, we thank you. You are so good. You're so good, Jesus. We come to celebrate your goodness, God. You're so good, Jesus. We just thank you for who you are, God. So Holy Spirit, we tune our eyes to you. We tune our eyes to you, God. We look for what you're doing. We look for what you're doing, God. So Holy Spirit, come. Awaken our hearts to you, God. Holy Spirit, wake us up. Holy Spirit, wake us up. Holy Spirit, wake us up this morning. So it helps you to close your eyes. Whatever helps you to focus on Jesus, I encourage you to do that. If you need to close your eyes, lift your hands, kneel down, give the permission to enter into his presence. Whatever that looks like for you. But we're going to jump on in. Some good times. So Holy Spirit, come.
God, we're going to go deeper, going higher, God. There's so much more, Lord. So much more. There's so much more going deeper, God. What you're doing, where you are, is where we want to be, God. God. We want to be with you, Jesus. Be with you, Jesus, where you are. Where you are is where we want to be, Jesus. So we fix our eyes on you, God. Seasons. We know, we know that you know our name, God. We love it when you call us. You call us higher than we are. Out of the depths, you call our names. Calling us deeper into your heart. go deep, Jesus. We say yes this morning. That you are everything we need, God. All you can ever hope for is all wrapped up in you. All wrapped up in who you are. So we look for you in our ears Holy Spirit Holy Spirit voice and sing out your own songs. Lift it up. Sing out your own song. Changes 
your love in everything. Your love is all I
child, come out here. Love it when you call my name. Love it when I hear you say, come out here, my child, come out here. And behold, the Lord, he is beautiful, he is glorious. Glorious and be. 
How outrageous is your love Oh, how beautiful How glorious How outrageous is your love Oh, how beautiful How glorious How outrageous is your love Is your love Is your love? Is your love? How beautiful! Oh, how beautiful! How glorious! How outrageous is your Surround me with a song of deliverance for my enemies till all my fears are gone. Sing that again. You unravel. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song. Of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I'm no longer seen to fear. 
drown in perfect love You rescue me and I can stand and sing I am a child of God You split the seas You split the seas so I can walk right through it My feet were drowned in perfect love Child of God, I am a child. I am a child of God. Who I am, I am a child. God, what I believe. Who I am, I am a child. I'm a child of God. I am a child of God. I'm no longer this thing to fear. I am a child of God. As I'm no longer this thing to fear. I am a child of God. Child of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. Father, we're overwhelmed with your goodness. We're overwhelmed with your love. Sang this morning, it's outrageous. God, we're overwhelmed with your mercy, your kindness, God. God, we're overwhelmed this morning that Father, no matter what, you pursued and pursued and pursued after each one of us, never giving up, God, until we came to know our Father once again. God, we thank you. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you took our life and you took our sins. And God, you say that you separated them as far as the east is from the west, God, and you buried them into the deepest parts of the sea, and you remember them no more. God, that we stand here this morning, Father, forgiven and cleansed by your blood. Father, we thank you this morning, God, that, God, that you you took the fears that ruled our lives, God, And you overwhelmed us with love, and that love broke the bonds of fear that had us all so trapped into the fear of the opinion of men and the fear of what might happen and the fear of our future and the fear of our past. And God, we thank you, Father, that you took it all, Father, and your love rushed in like a mighty wave of the sea, Father, and it just washed it away. Father, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Just take a moment and just, between you and the Lord right now, just begin to thank him, begin to praise him for his goodness, begin to thank him for what he has done in your lives and the, the, the times that he has brought such restoration and hope into your lives. Times when you felt his presence 
when there, you felt nothing else but you felt his presence. And it's all that mattered really was him knowing that his gaze, his eyes were upon you. In return, you just cast your care upon him. And he filled you with such peace. Thank you, Lord God. God, we are so grateful this morning. God, let us never be in a place, Father, that we, that God, we're not grateful, we're not thankful, we're not appreciative, Lord God. That we take it for granted in some fashion and in some way. Oh, God, forgive us when we do. God, and we forget the amazing power of your love. It's like nothing else that we have ever encountered. God, and we are still trying to, to grasp it, trying to figure it all out. God, thank you, Father. God, that you are drawing us into a deeper pools of revelation, deeper pools, Lord God, of experience, of encounter, but with you and your love, Father. God, we just want more of you. We want more of you. We want more of you. If that's your heart cry this morning, begin to just verbalize, God, I want more of you. God, I want more, I want more, I want more, Father. Thank you, God, that you... You see, you acknowledge the hunger of our hearts, God. Thank you, Lord. Oh, you're so good. <laughs> you're so good. God, ah, there was so much sorrow in our lives, Father, and pain. God, you filled us with joy unspeakable Lord God you said in your presence there is fullness of joy God you say that your joy that invades and comes into our life it's our strength God thank you oh praise you Father thank you Lord Something that the Holy Spirit has been telling me this morning over and over again is that he wants to obliterate the lie that, yes, God is good, but he's good to other people. And he's not good to me. And I see breakthrough happening for other people, but I don't see it for me. And as I walked in here this morning, the Holy Spirit started speaking to me just as I'm speaking to different people. And it was that same thing coming up and up again is I'm, I'm believing for so much and I'm expecting for so much, but yet seem to bring breakthrough for other people but not for me and so daddy wants to speak straight into that lie he is good but not only is he good he's good to you so say father I am your child I'm not an orphan and you are good to me to my heart and you are bringing breakthrough to me. God, I release angels of goodness and mercy. The Bible says that goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Those are angels. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
Guys, connect your heart, open your hearts. Don't look around and see what goodness, there is an impartation here. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will live, I will dwell in your house forever. You don't have to hang on to God. He is hanging on to you. It is not about your righteousness. It is about Jesus' righteousness. And in His love, He is covering you and pulling you in and allowing goodness and mercy to, to, to literally dwell in your midst and in your presence that you are overtaken by the goodness of God, not just the people around you, but you. Amen. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. <clears throat> Look behind you. See what's following you. All right? It's the goodness of God. All right? It's the goodness of God. It follows you all the days of your life. Amen. Before you sit down this morning, I want you to greet people around you. Welcome someone this morning. Shower them with your love, the love of the Father. All right. You can, uh, I know I got them stirred up, Scott. All right, if you find your seats, please. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. Welcome, welcome. Welcome this morning to Harvest Renewal Church. We are so glad that you are with us. <clears throat> I know there are, there are some, as I look out, that I, I think this may be your first time here. And we are so glad that you are here with us this morning. And uh, we have a gift for you this morning, if this is your first time with us. And so if it is, if you would put your hand up real high, keep it up for me, all right? If this is your first time with us. Okay. Have a young lady up here. Amen. Anybody else, brother? Did you give something? Joshua? Okay, cool. All right. Gosh, just, just.
just a couple this morning. So it's, it's Home Folk Sunday. Okay. There we go. Well, in this bag, you'll find a couple of things. You'll find a fresh loaf of bread for you to enjoy uh, during the service or later on, whatever. And, uh, and there's also a white card in there. If you would do us a great favor and fill that out, um, we won't be stalking you or anything like that. But we just want to know you're with us, who you are. And if you have any prayer requests or any questions uh, you have about the church or want more information on the back side of the card you, or a couple of questions you could check, and uh, please put that in the offering bag when it comes by in just a little bit. And uh, that will be wonderful. Praise God. Uh, I think our, most of our youth have headed out. Uh, we have a youth class this morning next door at our church office. So if you are uh, middle school or high school age, uh, you are supposed to go with this class. So uh, but I think everybody has, has exited out. All right, real quick here, a couple of announcements. We have a lot of things going on today. Uh, we have tag team preaching this morning, and uh, now he's, uh, Paul Smith is going to be finishing up. Uh, where's Paul? There he is. Paul's going to be finishing up from last week. And we're glad to have Pastor Rifle back with us this morning. Yay. He has no jet lag on him anymore. And uh, he's going to be coming up and sharing a little bit and uh, sharing on communion some. And we're going to partake of communion this morning. So uh, praise God. All right. A couple of things. Uh, we have a sort of a brand new ministry that's getting going and want to let people know about it, that you can be involved as our media ministry. Uh, we are live streaming our services now. Um, uh, that if maybe on a Sunday morning you couldn't be with us, you can always go to our website and, and uh, watch the services with us and partake and, 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 uh, and enjoy it. And uh, so with that, <clears throat> we're developing a number of things. If that's something that would interest you in being involved in that area of ministry, uh, you, can con you can see Pastor Jason, who will be here after the youth class, right after the end of church. Please let him know that you're interested in being involved with the media ministry, and, uh, and he, will, he will explain everything about it. A couple of things coming up. We, uh, we shared last Sunday, or kind of shared last Sunday, about the... Uh, <laughs> about the Easter outreach that our children are doing. Uh, Wayman gave a really great announcement. Uh, I'm not sure if it was about that at all, but it was a really good announcement. But if you look inside your bulletin here, uh, we are having the great opportunity. We have, we have supported and, and uh, the Youth Life Learning Centers of Richmond, uh, really since the, almost the very beginning of our church, because the Youth Life Learning Centers began out of our church. And... Um, we are doing gift baskets for Easter for, for the children, for families. And you can see here that we are going to prepare for 30 families, 88 children, gift baskets, Easter gift baskets. So there are a couple of different ways you can be involved. One, through if you just want to donate some money, uh, we are wanting to purchase a Bible for every child. Okay? And you can, you can donate money. Just put it in the offering. You can put it in one of the envelopes that's in the chair in front of you, just put Easter Outreach, and we'll know exactly where it needs to go. Or you can bring candy in, 
We, are, we already have a lot of things that we're putting in the basket already. Or you can be involved by um, helping put the baskets together or helping to deliver those baskets. And we have a sign-up sheet that you can be involved in that also. Um, okay, also, um, we have a women's gathering that's going to be happening on April the 11th out at the farmhouse, a women's morning fellowship. At the time, we'll be telling you more about that. But women, please put that down in your calendar, April the 11th on a Saturday morning, and uh, it's going to be great. Um, we are doing a work day here at the church coming up. Uh, there's a number of things that we need to do, and we would love for everyone to come out. See, everyone, everyone, everyone to come out to help. Um, we're going to be doing things outdoors. If, if you love working in the yard, you can help with that. Uh, if you love doing things inside, we're going to be doing some cleaning, some touch-up painting, some, uh, some repairs. If you've got construction skills, things like that, we would love to have you. And uh, on the uh, sign-up sheets this morning, you can please, you can put your name down. Let me encourage you to do this, okay? If you're not sure you're able to come to the workday, don't put your name down, okay, until you know that you are able to come, all right? Uh, because we plan a lot of things. We're going to be planning breakfast and lunch uh, for those who will be coming out to do working, for working. And um, we encourage you, if you put your name down, that means I will be there, okay? And because uh, we have a lot of times people sign up, but they are not show up, okay? And so, um, so concerning the Easter outreach, if you want to be involved, you can put your name down or the church workday. You can be involved. All right. Let's see here. Was there anything else that I have this morning? All right. Um, Chip, where's Chip at? There you are. Many of you know Chip. Chip was a part of our pastoral team here for many years. And uh, uh, Chip is going back into Latvia in April, and I want Chip to come up and just kind of share with our congregation what he's going to be doing, what he's been invited to come back into and to do. Amen. Um, many of you do know, for those that you don't know, back in 1993, I was a full-time missionary into Eastern Europe right after the Iron Curtain fell, a couple years after the Iron Curtain fell. Um, <clears throat> and while I was there with our team, we ended up starting a church, and that, that church is still there, and another church was birthed out of it, and and needless to say, there have been lifelong relationships that have been formed, and it's led Pastor Doug back into Ukraine, and some of those relationships cross-pollinate. Um, but I have a, a connection with one of our missionaries, Pastor Victor Isaiev. Um, and many of you may have not met Pastor Victor, but he carries, hey, Brian, <laughs> Pastor Victor carries um, a, deep, a deep heart and fire and anointing for worship and prayer. And as a matter of fact, he now does international worship symposiums, prayer gatherings all across Eastern Europe, Russia, Belarusia, Ukraine, the Scandinavia, Germany, Poland. He's everywhere. And, um, and through his relationships, I was invited last year to go, and he just, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, have Chip come. Chip will bring the Holy Spirit. Well, Victor had no idea what that was going to look like. I thought he did. He didn't. And so I just stepped into me. 
and who God has made me to be. And of course, you all, from some of you, you know what that looks like. <laughs> and as a result of, of God doing what he wanted to do and signs and wonders breaking out and, and people, it wasn't just me ministering to the sick. It was revealing sonship, bringing revelation of sonship and then putting the people into a place where they laid hands on the sick and they saw them recover. And um, as a result, one of the pastors in downtown Riga has asked that I come do a, um, a conference where I'm the sole speaker. And so I'm stepping into, in this moment, I have an opportunity to step into something that has been a dream for a long time, and that is to be a revivalist. And, um, and so praise God, I get to do that. <laughs> Amen. And so this is my first conference solo ever. So, um, I, it is going to be amazing, and I'm, I'm very excited about it, and I'm thankful for the opportunity. Um, unfortunately, because of the economic difficulty that that part of the European Union has encountered, I am not going to be able to cover my expenses through an honorarium. They, they just, it, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so, um, so, I am up here today to ask two things. One, that... Um, you are, we have, we have prayed for the nations in this church, and we now reflect the nations in this church. The Lord is also sending leaders like Manuel Gonzalez, who is at this very moment ministering in Guatemala. The Lord, we thank you for Manuel. We bless him. We declare the glory of God manifesting right now. And, and I'm asking that you would send me as a part of this family, that you would financially sow and trade into the nations and into revival and that you would send me fully funded out. I am raising approximately $1,500 to pay for airfare and incidental expenses. Anything that I raise that is not spent and comes in under budget will be sewn back into the kingdom directly in Latvia. Okay? So nothing that I raise will I pocket. It will go directly into the kingdom. Okay? Um, the second thing that I want to make you aware of, and I'm going to be done, is Pastor Victor let me know he is in dire, dire need of transportation. He has this yellow, this yellow Volkswagen diesel golf that is just ridiculous. And he can only go 200 kilometers in that car, and his other car died. And they have really no other transportation. And so I've just been praying and seeking and asking people. And if you have a heart to give towards that, just send it out to Harvest Renewal. We can send it to his account at another church here in the States where he has an account. And the rest of it, whatever you want to designate towards the trip, you can designate towards that. Thank you. Please pray. Amen. Chip, when, when are you going to be heading out? 15th? Okay. All right. All right. All right. Father, we thank you. Total provision is going to come in for Chip and uh, for other things. Um, how many of you love to give? Let's see your hands. All right. And we're going to have a great time here right now, okay? Um, <laughs> you have an opportunity today for several things, of course, uh, to come bring your tithes, but in your offerings to bless Chip. Uh, if, if you're not prepared to give to Chip today, you can go on online to our church, our website, and uh, click on the thing of giving. It'll take you to a page, and you can put in there uh, that you want to give, especially to Chip. Make sure that you put Latvia in there or whatever. 
And you can do it that way, or you can mail your check in. Whatever you want to do, you can do that. Also, today is Benevolence Sunday, our benevolence ministry that we reach out, touch a lot of people. Uh, it's a great opportunity. And so uh, you can give into that. And also the, the Easter outreach is another thing. So you have a lot of opportunities to give today, and I know you will. Uh, we have the greatest giving church that I've ever been around. Y'all are amazing. You really are. And so, uh, so let's pray together, okay, before we receive our offering this morning. Father, we thank you, God, that you have blessed us, and you will continue to bless us, Father. We thank you, Father, we hear your voice. We thank you, Lord God, that you have put, us, put within us, Lord God, the desire to bless and the desire to give because that is part of your nature, Father. And we carry the nature of our daddy. And so we thank you, God, that today we want to give and we want to give abundantly into the, into the, the support and into the, into the workings of this church, Father, giving into opportunities like Chip's mission trip, Father, benevolence, Easter outreach, so many things, Father. So we thank you that, God, as we give this morning, we give believing that, God, you're going to take every dollar and you're going to stretch it and multiply it, Father, and you're going to do great things with it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. Well, we're receiving our offering this morning. Uh, last week, uh, Cindy and myself, we were talking with Jill. Where's Jill? Jill Gross. And she shared a testimony with us that just blew us away, just of God's amazing goodness and power. And so we asked her this morning, she would take a couple of minutes and share that with all of How many of you enjoy hearing powerful testimonies of what God is doing? So, Jill, come on up here, honey. Wow, he does take us out of our comfort zone sometimes, doesn't he? Nicole made it look so easy when she stood up here this morning. I think my butterflies have just turned into elephants stampeding. So Jesus, 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 fill me. A couple months ago, I heard Jamie come up here and give this powerful, sweet testimony about how he laid his hands on his brother in the heat of God. They both felt, and he was healed. And I remember walking away from that just being so blessed. So I prayed this week that I knew I was going to be nervous that I might just bless someone sitting here today with God's story. It's not mine. It's God's. So... About a year ago, I started praying to God and the Holy Spirit would lead my family to a church where they're walking in signs and wonders and where the power of God and his authority was present in the house. And here we are. So not to follow suit to my dear friend, Mr. Bishop, but I too had a dream. Much shorter, Pastor Doug. And in this dream, I wanted to lay hands on this man and pray over him desperately. And I think I did, and I'm not really quite sure if he got healed or not. I think he did. But he was so in fact that I pray over his wife, and he just urged and urged me to go pray over his wife. So I did. I laid hands, and she was healed, and that was the dream. Right around Christmas, my uncle was diagnosed with cancer, and they said he just had a few weeks to live. And we had gotten the flu. The whole family went down. I wanted to go pray over him and lay hands, but I was a little nervous because I, I was just me. And we were sitting here one Sunday, and my husband said, okay, we can go down tomorrow or Tuesday. And I was listening to Pastor Rifle speak, and I got this idea. I'll go ask Pastor Rifle if I can take him down to Tennessee and pray over my uncle. 
So after church, I went and I asked him, could I pray over him? Would he come with us and pray over? And he said, yes, Jill, but I leave tomorrow. And my heart just fell in the pit of my stomach, and I felt these tears coming. And then he took my hands, and he said, but Jill, you can go lay hands on your uncle. And I remember I, I shook my head and go, no, rightful one, I'm not you. And for about a half hour, he took his precious time for me and tried to encourage me. Well, by the time I was done talking to him, I was so excited I couldn't get out of the door fast enough. And I was ready to pack. The next day, I was packing to go down to my uncle, and I received a phone call. God had taken him home. And I was discouraged. I heard the lies of the enemy. I felt a lot of guilt that I had not immediately just said, yes, of course, God can work through me. So for a couple of weeks, I really struggled with this, and I was really in a bad place two Sundays ago, and Pastor Doug was speaking about encouragement. And I went to him afterward and said, you had spoken about sometimes you get this great breakthrough, but you have to take the step. And I took his hands and said, I think God said Jill's going to be here today. Speak to her. And he did. The following week, the next Wednesday after that Sunday, I received a phone call. My aunt, who just buried her husband, was in the hospital, and the doctor said she only had a few weeks, I mean hours, to live possibly. She was on life support, and her body had this blood infection. All organs were shutting down. And I knew John was leaving the next morning, and I didn't want to drive down to Tennessee myself, nor did I want to leave the children, half the children, the animals, and I got so much in the flesh. And John said, you want to go lay hands on your aunt, don't you? And I said, no, I never even thought of that. God, forgive me. I wanted to pray over my uncle, remember the dream. And I, my heart was pricked. And I grabbed my Bible like I do when I ran to the fields, and I cried to God. And I said, you really want me to go? It's just me. And he said, go, Godspeed. So I closed my Bible, ran back to the house, went inside and looked at all the children, knew it was going to be a long drive, and thought, I just don't know. It's just me. It's, I'm not rifle. And I grabbed my Bible again, and I went to a room, and I said, okay, you really got to talk to me one more time. Please forgive me. And he gave me this verse, and I wish I could remember, but I can't remember. But he said, you are my vessel. Go forth. I closed my Bible, and I felt this power that he had something to do, and it was through me. Nothing that I was to do. So I jumped in the car, and I thought I was going to have this eight-hour drive where I could just praise and pray in tongue, worship. And instead, I was in this small little car with my two little ones in the back seat who I forgot to pack any busy boxes for. My mother with an oxygen machine was in the front seat while my son with a learner was driving in bad weather with snow and fog. And for about every 15 minutes, God bless her, my mother was complaining that this was a huge mistake we had to turn around. <coughs> So <laughs> Jeb kept saying, no, he just kept going. God bless him. He just was kind to my mother and just ignored her. About, about 1030 at night, Jeb arrived at the hospital. My mother didn't know what I was doing, but Jeb knew. And he pulled up at 1030 and said, Mom, go. And I said, Jeb, I'm, I am tapped out. My nerves are shot. I'm done. And he said, Go. So I got out of the car, and I remember walking through the hospital thinking, I'm done. I'm spent. There's, there's nothing left in me. And as I went, I started walking. I got, this, I got this sense of strength. And it was as if I was on a mission. And it was no longer that I was going to go lay hands on my aunt. I was going to go do God's work. And so I walked into this hospital room, and this nurse, Matthew, was there, and I said, he said, you've traveled a long distance. I said, yes, but I feel as though I have to lay hands on this, my aunt. 
And he said, well, I go to a non-denominational church. I believe in the book of Acts. Go, sister. So I remember it was no longer an emotional tie. It was not my aunt. It was this God had business, and we were, it was serious business we had to do. And I remember thinking for a split second, I looked at my hands, and I heard Rifle speak in my ear. Jill, these are not your hands. These are the hands of Jesus. And I took those hands, Rifle, and I laid them on that body. And all of a sudden, we cast out, and I say we because it was Chip, well, the very first Sunday I came to this church, he blessed me with such a sermon. He talked about the oneness, the sonship, where the staff of God resonated in heaven. And we stood there over this body, we, and we cast out every sickness, every disease, every infection. And we went from that belly, and then I had to go to the head, so please remember this. We had to go to the head and cast out any sign of stroke, blood clots. And then we went back to the belly again and cast out more infections, spoke to all the organs. Then we cleansed that body. And then we commanded four angels to stand guard in that room over that body. And all demonic spirits had to leave that room. And then as we were done cleansing the room, I spoke, it is done. And I said it three times, it is done, it is done, it is done. I picked up my hands and I walked out the door. I didn't see her jump up, but I knew it was done. The very next morning, her only daughter, my cousin, called. I was getting ready to go to the hospital, and she said, Jill, and I thought, oh, no, I misunderstood. And she was serious, and she said, Jill, the doctors, all they could say this morning, it was a miracle. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. So I started weeping, not because my aunt was going to be okay, but I started weeping because Rifle was right. And I was so excited that Jesus chose me. So I was so excited, I picked up the phone, I had to call John. And he was taxiing down the runway, and he started laughing. He was so excited. He said, Jill, I have to go, but you have to call Pastor Doug and tell him. And I said, no, I, I don't want this to be about me. He laughed, and he said, Jill, everybody knows it's not going to be about you. <laughs> So in closing, Pastor Doug, the next morning, that, that morning I went to the hospital and there was this nurse, a different nurse, and she said, are you her, aunt, her niece? And I said, yes. And she said, during shift change, Matthew said that you came and laid hands on your aunt. And she came over and she was standing right in front of me and she said, when you left, Matthew said the very minute a miracle happened and all of her numbers started dropping. And I immediately thought this is about God. So I took my hands and I showed her and I said, these were not my hands I used last night. These were Jesus's. And she started to cry, and she said, I must go because you're making me cry. So as we were driving home, the eight hour turned into like nine or ten hours with my mother. As we were driving home, I do love her dearly. I really do. As we were driving home, I was praising God and thanking him for the miracle that he did but for most of all, bringing me here to this place. Like I prayed a year ago, that I could walk in signs and wonders and be filled so much of the Holy Spirit that maybe someday my dream will come true, that I'll be sitting on the side street with a homeless person in a wheelchair and we'll talk and I'll love on him for an hour 
And afterwards, we'll share a meal, and I'll give him a hug and a kiss, and I'll walk away. And as I walk away, my shadow casts on him. And I don't even turn around. I just have this smile on my face, and I keep on walking and praising God for using and choosing me. Amen. Hmm. All right. You did really good. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. God wants to use every one of us, doesn't he? Amen. Paul, come on, my friend. Good morning, church. All I can say is every day with Jesus gets better than the day before. Wow, this pulpit's rocking. That's a sign, you know, that uh, <laughs> this place is going to be rocking here in short. You know, last week I had the privilege of standing before you, the first time in 20 years, and I was talking to one of the sisters that I had dreamed of being back in the pulpit after 20 years. You know, I, at the church I was at before, I had the opportunity to minister from the pulpit, and I knew God had called me to minister the word. And for some unknown reason, I was taken out of the pulpit and never allowed to go back. So for 20 years, my life, I never thought that I would be able to come back to a place where God called me. So I thank you, Pastor Doug, for listening to God and allowing me to be here again today. Last week, I only have a few minutes, but uh, I just want to kind of brief you on what I talked about last week. And that was this. You know, people have always asked me, I've been saved for 35 years now. And people come up to me all the time, and, and, you know, especially years ago, would come up and say, does God really speak to us, and how does he speak, and when does he speak, and what does it look like? And the thing I always told people was this, that God not only is speaking today, but the biggest problem is, is are we hearing what God is saying? Because there's so many voices in the world. We're hearing so many voices. We wake up in the morning, and we're bombarded with deadlines and commitments. All these things come rushing in, and God is calling the church to just get close to him and to hear him because that's where our success in life is, is when we hear the Father's voice and we walk in as he has called us to walk. So I'm just going to brief you on. I'm going to take you back to the four points I talked about last week very briefly. Please, I have nothing up on the overhead, but I do want you to write these down and kind of walk through them today and think about them. Uh, the first thing I talked about last week was that God is always speaking. Are we he- hearing what he's saying? And it comes from uh, Exodus 3. Um, and I'm just going to read, read, read through it real quick, the first 11 verses. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, and the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that through the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight while the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of a land into a good and spacious land, 
a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hevites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites have reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, like Jill said, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? The first thing I talked about last week was he speaks to us through our everyday routines of life. We know that Moses was on the backside of the mountain just tending sheep. We often wonder, when does God speak? How does he speak? And when does he speak? He speaks to us every day through our routine days, uh, routine of life. When you're working, when you're playing, when you're taking care of your children, how many times have your little child said something you said, God just spoke to me? Yes, he speaks to little five-year-old kids, four-year-old kids. He speaks through a lot of means in life. He speaks through you through your boss. He speaks through you through the, the people that are around you every day. But the question is, are we hearing God? Are we hearing God? A lot of times we say, oh, that's not God. God doesn't speak that way. He doesn't use five-year-old kids anymore. But this is what God is saying to us today. We need to be able to, be able to just begin to discern, discern the voice of, the, of our Father. The Bible says that my sheep hear my voice, and they what? Amen. Number two, another way God speaks through is through the abstract, out-of-the-box types of things of life. There says that, the, that when, it says in verse 2, it says, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a bush, and the bush was on fire, but it did not burn up. So God is trying to get our attention every day. He uses the very abstract things of life. You know, for me, it was a vision. God showed me a vision. On the night of me getting ready to commit suicide, I was going to kill myself. And God had sent many, many people for many, many days, bringing me tracks, and my mother preaching to me and sending me her love letters and just all this stuff. But God began to say, you know, I, got, I really got to put the fire on. I've really got to get his attention. And, you know, God is trying to get our attentions every day. He's on a fast track of life to try to get our attention. You know, he really is. But so often we get so busy in life, we just say, oh, well, that's not God, that's something else. But, you know, God sent that vision that night, and because of that vision that was out of the box, it wasn't just your normal preaching or a little track that used to be around. Back in the, in the 70s, the tracks were the big thing. I'll hand a track out, right? Well, God brought a vision to my life that night. He spoke to me, and I got saved. And I didn't have to go to hell and die in my sins, but God spoke to me, and I cried out, God, save me. I want, I want my life to be changed. And 35 years later, I am who I am today, and God is doing great things in my life and then through me. So God speaks to us through the abstract. Number three, he speaks through us, and this is something I want you to think about all the time. He speaks to us through our curiosities. We need to be curious about God. We have, the church has, has, uh, has kind of uh, got uninterested in the things of God. I thank God every day that I can come to a place that when I look into your eyes and when I can hear you conversations, there's a curiosity that's taking place in your life. Moses, when he the, seen the bush on fire, he comes running up to the bush. He was kind of hesitant, but he looked at it and he goes, wow, the bush is on fire, but something's going on, and I want to know what's going on inside that bush. And it says, as he came up to the bush, it said, in some versions it said that he, as he entered to the bush, that he turned aside to see what was inside the bush. We need to start turning back to God. We need to be a people that says, you know, I don't know what's going on in the abstract. I don't know what's going on, but I want to be curious about what's going on in the kingdom. We have sometimes, I think sometimes we have just kind of dried up and we've been complacent. But God is calling us back to a place of being curious about the things of God. Fourth thing I talked about was he speaks through the inspiration of others. You know, it says that Moses, God says, I am the father of, your, uh, father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, at this particular point in time, Abraham, uh, Moses didn't have a relationship with God. He, he knew about God, but he, it wasn't until the burning bush that he really got, God really got a hold of his life. 
And when he spoke that, you know what? I'm the, father of your, uh, of your, I'm the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That rang a bell with Moses. Oh, yeah, so you're that God. You're that father of, of, my, of those people there. So when I, it's just like today. I'm inspired when I come to the house of God. When I come here, I'm, I'm inspired. When I'm listening to you guys, I walk in here, my faith is up here. It really is. I am so touched when I leave here. Like I said last week, I don't need to hear a sermon. I can see you and I can see a sermon because there is a hunger. There is a desire to, to know God and to know about him. A lot of places you go to today, it's still about just a good story. Oh, it's a nice story. But this is reality, people. This is our life. This is our eternal life. This is going to take place every day of our life for eternity. But you guys, so my mother was, inspired my life so much. Sometimes when I'm down and out, I can sit and I can hear my mother speaking. Just like Jill said this morning. I heard rifle speaking. See, she was inspired by a voice of something that was said yesterday. I can, if I was to let you loose in here this morning, I believe you could, each one of you could tell me a story about how even today or this morning or yesterday you began to think and God took you back to someone that inspired your life many years ago. Whether you were saved or not, but God spoke a word and God brought it back to you in the present. We need that. When I'm in fellowship, man, because look, the voice is around. We need to hear the right voice. We need to have voices that are encouraging us and bringing hope to our lives every single day. We're inundated with falsehood. We're, we're inundated with lies of the enemy through advertisement, through television. It's just a whole lot going on. We really need to be like Moses, and we need to really turn aside and listen and to grasp what God is trying to say to us. The fifth thing he does, the fifth thing he does is he speaks through the needs of others around us. This is something I want you to understand. Verse 7 through 10 says this, And the Lord said, I have indeed have seen my people in Egypt. I have heard their crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their sufferings. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of a land into a good and spacious land. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go, I am sending you, the church. God is sending the church. He's not, he came down, but he's sending us out as we see the needs of us or others around us. I, I, I tell you what, I have a gift of mercy, my wife and I, and we both have a gift of hospitality and generosity. So it's, it can be very, very hard for us because we're always seeing needs, right? We're always seeing needs, and we would, we, we would be glad to just sell our house and give it to someone in need. So with your giftings, we have to be careful that we don't overdo it, we don't overstep it. We are not the heroes, but God shows us needs just as God seen the need of the Egyptian, of, of, of his children under the hand of Pharaoh. These guys have been in slavery for 400 years or over 400 years. And he says, I hear the cry. I hear the suffering. And, you know, we look around today, there's pain everywhere. Pastor mentioned it this morning, there's hurt and pain everywhere. It may look good here. There may be a big smile here, but deep inside their heart, they're broken and hurting. And we need to be aware of that. God has called the church to be able to begin to see the need of people and be the hands and the feet and the ears that he's called us to be. So how is God speaking today? He's speaking to us. When you walk out here today, you'll see it. I guarantee you, when you walk out there and you're tentative as Moses was when he went to the bush and he yielded himself to God, you walk out there, you'll see need everywhere. I can be walking in the supermarket, I can be walking down the road, I can be working, and I can, people begin to talk, and I can actually feel the pain of people that are hurting and broken. They may not say that, 
But God has equipped the church to do all these things, to be able to reach out and touch these people's lives. Just like Jill was saying this morning, there was a hurt, there was a pain. This person's getting ready to die. This person's sick. There's nothing like being sick and wondering if I'm going to make it through. But when God equips us and gives us the power and the anointing to reach out because we see that need, don't back off of it. Don't back off of it. You never know. You might think, oh, it's just, you know, I'm taking a, a loaf of bread to somebody. Oh, I'm just visiting someone at the hospital. Someone may just ask me to go pray for someone. You may think, oh, it's just a prayer. But you know, when you lay your hands on that person, or you bring them that loaf of bread, the Scripture says even if you give someone a little glass of water and you do it in my name, great things take place. You don't know, a little glass of water, man, you know, just a little glass of water. What is that? To you, it's just a glass of water, but to them, it's a lifeline. You know, I don't know. I, I've been in some real dire places in my life. You know, even this morning I came in here, a lot of things was going on. Confusion was going on. I was hurting inside. The enemy was lying to me. And I had two brothers that come up and just pray for me. Just walk up and say, I'm going to pray for you. You know, they laid their hands on me. They felt that pain. They felt the need. They heard the cry just like God heard the, the Israelites crying in, in slavery. He didn't say, I'm coming down and I'm going to deliver him. But he said, I'm going to send you, Moses, and you go do the work. And that's exactly what took place. God has called the church to be his hands and his feet, his ears, our life for him. Let me ask you a question. If there was never a need in your life, would you ever see the need for Father God? If we were to never see a need around you, would you ever see God speaking to you about reaching out to those in need? Sin has caused man to think of only one person. One person. There has got to be a radical change in the heart of man. We are so self-centered. Sin, when it was introduced in the world, it was all about us. I'll tell you today, I have not arrived yet, because I'll tell you right now, I'm the same way. You know what that word sin means? God gave me this acronym one time, S-I-N, it means self-interest now. It's all about me. It's all about me. Eve was in the garden, Adam was in the garden, it was all about her. God had given her everything she needed for life and godliness right there. But she wanted more, it's all about me. It's not about obeying you, God, it's about me. It's all about me. That's what he's saying. But there's needs out there. And God is saying, I want you to reach out and touch somebody with his love. And I'm going to conclude with this. Kind of cutting it short but because of time. But another way he speaks to us, he speaks to us through our own weaknesses and frailty. Verses 11 and 12 of Exodus 3 says this. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God says, I will be with you. I will be with you, saith the Lord. You know what? God speaks to us every day about doing great things. It's so amazing that Jill got up here and said, Oh, I'm nervous. I don't know if I can do it. You know, I got all this doubt, all this apprehension. Every one of us have apprehension about certain things in life. I believe that with all my heart. 
You may look, even this morning, I got up here this morning, and I was thinking, God, you have got to come through because I am very apprehensive about speaking this morning. There was just so many things going on, and I was thinking, God, can I really do it? And I could feel the heartbeat of Moses. Moses said, God, don't you know what you're calling me to do? Do you understand who I am? I'm just Moses. I was just the prince of Egypt, and now I'm out of here in the backside of a desert. I have no power. I have nothing to give. And then God says, hold it. Wait a minute. I'm calling you to be the greatest man that ever walked on the face of the earth other than, other than my son Jesus. Moses was the greatest. Without Moses being in the picture, Israel may still be in the hands of the Egyptians. But God sent a man, one man, weak and frail. He wasn't 16 or 17. He was 80 years old. And God had called him to do a great task. And Moses took the challenge. He took the challenge to make this great thing take place. God says, I will be with you. Psalm said this. In Psalm 72, 12 through 14, he says, For he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence. For precious is their blood in his sight. He speaks to us through our weakness and frailties. If you really want to know if God is in your life, think about this for one minute. When was the last time that you were challenged to a place of going, God, I really just don't know if you're going to come through? And another thing is, the question is, did he leave you a bandit? Did he leave you to be by yourself? in the midst of one of your greatest fears of life, one of your greatest challenges of life. That's just how faithful God is. God says, I hear your cry. He says, I know what you're going through right now. He says, I feel your pain, just like the, Egyptian, the Israelites was in Egypt. I heard their cry. I felt their suffering. Why is that? Because he faced all that for us. He says, those that cry out to me, I will be there for them. Just as Moses delivered the Israelites out of the hand of Pharaoh, they probably thought after 400 years, they're probably thinking, are we going to ever get out? Are we going to ever be who we are supposed to be? You're sitting here this morning probably thinking the same thing. There's things in your life right now, you're probably thinking, wow, is God going to really come through for me? Yes, he's going to come through for you. The question is, are you going to cry out to him? God is calling us to cry, cry, cry out. To drop your pride, come humbly before him as a good father to his children, and to cry out. He says, I will deliver you from the oppressor. Our greatest problem in life is not will God do it, but we believe the lives of the oppressor more than we believe Father God. Where do you stand this morning? Where do you feel in your life that God has let you down? Well, I want to let you know this morning that God has not let you down. It's only a cry from your heart that God will come through. I don't care what it is. Nothing's too hard for him. If he can deliver you out of the hands of Pharaoh, he can do anything in your life. Not tomorrow, but right now. But are you willing to cry out to him? Pastor Russell.
Morning, everyone. Okay, got a couple of minutes. Uh, I was asked just to say something about our trip. I will start off by this. For every single person that prayed a single prayer, your prayers absolutely carried us through. And that's no just talking. I could, it's strangely enough, the previous time where, where the grace of God was literally felt in my life was in Taiwan when, when God told us to pack up and come to America when we had to get rid of everything and clear out our house. That was the, f the grace of God was tangible on our lives, everything we had to do. And this time it was the same. Um, uh, we have a three-year-old son, Nathan. I do not uh, recommend traveling with a three-year-old. <laughs> if you can help it, don't do it. <laughs> if you got it, then, then go by grace. <laughs> But uh, really, for all the prayers, thank you so much. Uh, all three of us are back alive. That means the grace of God. You can't explain to a three-year-old, sit still, 18 hours in, a, in, a, in an airplane. You know, you can't tell him, don't kick the chair in front of you. you. I mean, it's difficult for me to sit 18 hours. For a child, it was really, it was just, it was so, when we came back, our flight was delayed. We, we were supposed to. Uh, be back last week already Sunday I wanted to be here we were supposed to be back on Friday we, we arrived Sunday morning early uh, it was just bad it was an 18 hour trip turned into about 48 but we made it and uh, I remember one thing after being in the plane for four and a half hours and we've moved 50 meters because we're going to take off then ladies and gentlemen there's a light flashing here that shouldn't be here we got to go back and just probably myself is thinking, don't you check that light before you go onto the runway? <laughs> so I'm not a pilot or a mechanic, but that would check all the lights before you go. However, we go back, they fix the light. We number 15, it's a single runway, so we wait 14, blah, blah, blah. Now we're number one, going to take off. Ladies and gentlemen, the light's back on again. So now we go back. Now you've got to understand, Nathan is there, and we say to him, as soon as we take off, he's got a little pack of gummy berries that he can eat for his ears. So he's, all he can think of is these gummy berries. <laughs> so he's got the gummy berries. So as soon as we take off, my boy, we're going to open that pack of gummy berries. Gummy berries, gummy berries, gummy berries. So yes, as soon as we take off. So the plane starts moving, and you want to, and then you stop, and he wants his gummy berries. Four and a half hours of gummy berries, taking off, going back, taking off, going back. Now, that you haven't even moved, and i got 18 more hours to go after the four and a half. It was just, but praise God, really, honestly, seriously, your prayers were just the grace of God. When we arrived there, I mean, the time in Taiwan is literally 13 hours difference. So when he wants to get up, he must go to bed. When he wants to go to bed, he must wake. He, he didn't, well, none, none of us knew where we were, what was happening. So we arrived 11 o'clock the first night, 3 o'clock the next morning, he's up. He's ready to play. He's ready to go. He wants his cereal. How do you explain to a three-year-old, we didn't buy, we didn't go to the store, we don't have cereal. Just, just lie down for a while and keep stalling. You can't do that. So now he wants to jump off the bed, and his grandmother lives on a, 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 the fifth floor of a 16-building apartment complex. He wants to play with his cars because we brought some. You can't do that because then the noise, the, it, and you can't explain it to a three-year-old. But, as I say, we're alive. We're here. 
because of your prayers and your grace. So thank you so much. Uh, we've got to get moving here. The, the most spiritual thing physically that happened was um, another South African lady who also teaches English there. Um, she's in her 60s, which is old for an English teacher in Taiwan. They want young people to jump through hoops and do somersaults and all of those things. So to have a 60-year-old lady there is, is, is very uh, weird. In any case, uh, she's, she came to the house church that we had in Taiwan and I just went to visit her, and she was just talking about her heart. She was feeling very tired, and things weren't going well. So she went to the doctor. Long story short, she has 28% capacity, 28% capacity of her heart. And the doctor put on medicine and different things, tried to make it work. And in any case, so I just prayed for her, and she had to go back to the doctor the next week. She's been on this medicine since last year, August, and nothing has changed. And the next week, she went for a checkup, and the doctor said, what did you do different? What happened? What is there something? Heart is not 100%, but he said there is so much improvement. What, what did you do? And she said, nothing. You know, we just prayed. And that was it. So praise God for that. I mean, she, her heart is now a yeah, new heart. So praise Jesus for that. Yeah. Um, you know, Paul's teaching today, you know, God spoke to Tiffany and I in different ways, very different ways, and just said to us, America is where we should be. And I remember the very first time that I DJed in a very big club, and it was my great entrance. I stood there. I was very scared. And, and Jill, if, if you did not say that your butterflies had turned into elephants, nobody would know. You were saying, Nicole makes it look so easy. If, if you did not say that, I'd think you're Joyce Meyer the second. <laughs> you stood here, and you did an amazing job. Nobody would be able to tell. If you didn't say that, we wouldn't know. Phenomenal. Praise Jesus in you, man. That was great. Well done. You stepped out. So, God told us that we should be here. So, that was good to know. Um, we are going to do communion. So, here in Genesis 3, um, in verse 22, it says, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. It was never God's intent for man to know evil. He wanted man to know about evil, but he didn't want him to have a first-hand experience of evil. I want Nathan to know that fire burns, it's hot, but I don't want him to know by putting his hand in it and getting blisters. And God was the same way. He would teach his children what evil was, but he didn't want them to find out by experience. So now God says that they, they know what evil is, and now lest they put out their hands and take also of the tree of life, and eat and live forever. So the tree of life is a picture of, of Jesus. It's a type and shadow of Jesus, of Christ. It says here, Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed the cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which turned every way, not because he was angry, that's what I heard all my life. God was angry, so he chased them out. The father was cross, so he told them to get away from him. And in my life, that made perfect sense because when my dad or when a teacher or a father figure in my life got angry, what did they do? Chased you out. Get away. You disobey. This is what will happen to you. That was not God's plan. God made sure that he could not get to the tree of life. That's why 
told him to go out and put the cherubim there, not because of anger. So they couldn't partake of Jesus, the tree of life, because of the state that they were in after they ate of that fruit. But then, praise God, something amazing happens many, many chapters later in this book. But in Matthew and in Luke, it talks about when Jesus came, not as a tree, but as the man, the son of God, the son of man. The angels came and they said, okay, things are changing now. These beings were keeping man from the tree of life. And now these beings are announcing that tree is here. Come and look. He's here for you. Come and partake. Every man, woman, and child. The garden is now open. You can go back to that garden and live as if man had never eaten the fruit. The tree of life is here for everyone to partake of. So. Today we're going to partake of the tree and life in our communion. But in Colossians it talks about it in verse 19 of chapter 1. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile all things to himself. All things are all things. He wants to reconcile all things, your health. He wants to reconcile back to him. Your finances, he wants to reconcile. Your family, your relationships, your peace, your wisdom. He wants to reconcile everything back to him. And it was the Father's pleasure that all of that dwelt in Jesus. Whether things on earth or things in heaven. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. So if there's no peace in your health, no peace in your family, no peace in your relationships, that peace is in Jesus today. And it pleased the Father because he's a good dad. And he wants you to have the health, the peace, the good relationships, everything that he made available to man. He wants us to have it. And we can only find it one place. That's in Jesus. That's in Christ. And when Jesus came in Matthew 26, he says to the disciples just before he goes away, he says, take, this is my body, this is my blood, the new covenant, the remission of your sins. So in other words, there's nothing that you and I could have done that will keep us away from the fullness that dwells in Christ. So today when we partake of this, whatever you are looking for or needing, doesn't matter what it is, Taking this, taking Jesus, his flesh and his blood by faith can restore that to the fullness of what God wanted it originally to be for man. That's so amazing. Jay, can you and Wes just bring this stuff forward, please? Okay, so we're just going to pray and then we're going to do this. We know how we normally do it. We stand in two lines and we come forward. But Lord Jesus, we come now and we thank you so much that you, you left the throne room of heaven and you came down to earth to reveal to us what a relationship with a father looks like, to show us what covenant with Abba Father is. So that the life that you lived is the life that we should be living here. So that your hands are now our hands. And our hands are your hands. We have become one in the spirit. And 
thank you, Jesus, that you came and literally gave yourself, shed your blood and shed your body for us. And we thank you, Lord, that by your stripes, your word says that when you were beaten by those stripes, we were healed. We thank you for the blood that washes away. It doesn't cover like the old covenant. It completely washes away. And it's because of that washing that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace in a time of need. So we thank you that this blood has made us white as snow. And that because of this we have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What an amazing truth. It's all because of your sacrifice, Jesus. So we do this today in remembrance of you. Because you did this, we honor you. We love you. We lay our lives down for you so that we can do what you want to be done in this earth, Lord. So we thank you for this. We are honored. It's a privilege to be able to take this in remembrance of you. Because you came and gave yourself and showed us how to live. Come to the middle and come and partake.
beginning after God came to Abraham and God introduced himself and said, I'm your exceeding great reward. And he makes all these promises to Abraham. Abraham asks a very truthful question. He says, how do I know that you will do all of this for me? He didn't know God. He didn't understand God. And God says, I'm going to give you all of this stuff. And he says, how do I know? And so many of us today have that same question. How do I know? How do I know that my healing is true? How do I know that my job is there? How do I know my family is going to get fixed? How do I know my finances are okay? And God says the same as what he said to Abram. He said, I'll, I'll, I'll cut covenant with you. It's covenant. It's easy. Covenant. Blood. The same question that you have, the same answer he has. He says, easy. The answer to your question, how do you know? Covenant. I'll make a covenant with you. Psalms 89.34 says, My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out from my lips. So God in Jesus made a covenant with us through his flesh and through his blood. That he said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. The cattle on a thousand hills are mine and you are my child. My eye is on you. I know every number of hair that on your head. How dare you think that I won't provide for you? That's easy because I've made a covenant. So Lord Jesus, we come today and we thank you for the covenant which stands, which cannot be broken, and which God himself said he will not alter. And you, Jesus, when you said to your disciples to take this, you said this is the new covenant in your blood, the remissions of our sins, so that everything the Father has for us is ours by faith and the grace of God. So we come today, Lord, as your body, and we partake of your flesh, and we decree because of this covenant that by your stripes, we and everything about us was healed. We thank you for the blood. Because of this, Lord, the consequences of sin have to go. Because if it is as if we have never sinned, the consequence of that sin cannot be evident in our lives. So we thank you, Lord, that because of this, no mark, no scar, no damage can be because of what sin has done to us, because we stand forgiven in this covenant. So we thank you for this, and we decree and hold fast to our confession that because of this, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you need any prayer, we would love to pray with you. We have prayer ministers in front that want to pray with you. Pray according to your covenant by faith. It's been made available. It never changes. He loves you. He cares for you. You're his child. Be blessed and we will see you next week.